Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago, I um, published a, an episode with Dr. Halliwell and it had a huge amount of positive feedback. Um, no surprise at all because um, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Dr. Halliwell and I know that so many of you are. And his book, ADHD 2.0, has been a huge inspiration to me. Now, back in August, I attended a five-day online workshop with him. He was um, doing it from the States in Boston and there was um, people in life, in real life, doing it with him, but also online as well via video. And I sat there, you know, with an ADHD brain for five hours every single day. And I was intrigued, interested, captivated by everything Dr. Halliwell said. And it was a really profound week for me. So I shared this in a workshop for my ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective members. I really wanted to capture the essence of what he talked about, what impacted me, what I really took home and be able to break it down and give some you know, practical advice, be able to really kind of skim over some of the best stuff that Dr. Halliwell talked about in that week. So I presented a workshop not long after because, you know, with our ADHD brains, it doesn't stay in for, for long. The retention's not quite there but I wrote down a notebook of ideas and he really did inspire me on so many different levels, you know, to help my own clients, to help myself, my children. And these takeaways have been golden for me and I wanted to share them in this workshop. So I am now giving you the recording. We've put it into podcast form. So it's slightly, sounds slightly different, the audio. So just bear in mind, it was recorded over Zoom, but I hope you're able to gain from these takeaways because from the podcast recording I did a few weeks ago with Dr. Halliwell, I have got a feeling that many of you will want to hear all the other learnings that I got from this week with Dr. Halliwell. So here is the workshop. Now, I want to just be able to mention before we get started, uh, my Karma Days private podcast. So you will have heard me talking about it over the past few weeks. And this has been a really um, important project for me because I want to be able to offer different tools, different ways of working, reaching out to, to clients that perhaps can't afford to work with me privately, who haven't been able to um, join any workshops. So this is me breaking down lots of my well-being tools, uh, mindset changes, lifestyle choices to create a better emotional regulation, improve our emotional resilience, 
really lean into sort of calmer, less frenzied days ahead. So if you are interested, it's about um, three hours long, broken down into sort of shorter, snappier episodes. Uh, You'll get tapping, you'll get lots of information about oils, movement, gut health. I've really given you quite a broad spectrum of different ways that you can lean into your lifestyle choices to help your ADHD, but even more so help calm down that emotional regulation to really sort of have an opportunity to pause, to have a moment of reflection, and hopefully to be able to model to whoever is living in your house that we are able to have calmer days ahead, that it can feel possible to feel less overwhelmed. So if this is of interest to you, the Calmer Days private podcast, all the details are on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk head there and you'll get all the details. You can download it. It's super, super affordable and have me in your ears um, for a couple of days and hopefully inspire you to make small, adaptable, sustainable lifestyle tweaks to help improve our emotional regulation. So now here is the workshop that I did talking all about my week with Dr. Halliwell. So I, I signed up for this course a long time ago with Dr. Halliwell um, I've just got a couple of these books here just to show you in case you haven't got them. This is his original one, Driven to Distraction. And it was written, I don't know, what, 20 years ago, maybe? I'm just having a look. I'm not sure. But it's been updated um, and still so much of it is relevant. But what he has uh, not included, he's put in this book here, also written by uh, with John J. Ratey as well. And this is ADHD 2.0, which I think quite a few of you may have. And this five-day course I I did was kind of lots of conversations around what he's written in the book. But what struck me is he said, there's all this science that's coming out, but still there's so much we don't know about the ADHD brain. So a lot of it is case by case, what you experience, which is, you know, from myself, I've seen so many women with ADHD is that not one of my clients is ever the same. We always fluctuate. We've got strengths in one area and, and, you know, challenges in another area. And that's what makes it such a complex, multi-layered condition that it's hard to put your finger on all the different things that, you know, we could be doing. But what um, this course was based on was a strength-based approach which for a coach like me is something that is just, you know, so powerful. There's there's another expert that you may have heard of called Russell Barkley, who also is amazing. Um, and yeah, I've got this book here. And this is a bit of a, you know, a Bible. And I have to say, not as easy to read as any of Dr. Halliwell's um, books. And that's a little bit more... For me, it's a bit more focuses on the negatives and focuses on all the things that could happen, what could go wrong, and all the things to be aware of. And although it's really good to be educated and to know what potential pitfalls that we could experience, I love Dr. Halliwell's approach because it is all based on what we can be harnessing, what you know, working with what we've got, and being our own coach, but also understanding where we need to get help and where we need to, um, what muscles we need to be sort of activating for ourselves, which is if we're ADHD ourselves, we've got ADHD kids, we want to be empowered. We want to ensure that we have the tools at our disposal. So I'm not going to be able to condense five days worth of um, learning in one hour, 
and say, well, I've been able, you know, this is, this is where I, one of my pitfalls is. I find it really hard to condense things and to, and to not waffle on about, you know, one subject. But I'm going to try my hardest to focus on what I found was really, really pivotal, even though there was so much. And I'll probably end up doing, you know, a few more workshops because I don't want to do it a disservice of what I've learned and his incredible insights. And I guess the validations of what I've seen in what I've been doing over the past few years and the podcast and the clients and all the experts. And so what I want to be able to do today, this is my um, my hope, is I'm going to be able to give you some of my the golden nuggets that really stuck out for me. And then I want to give you towards the end just a way of being able to use a bit of EFT to kind of um, help ourselves. So essentially what we started with was how we can intuitively harness what we have already got at our disposal and how we can strengthen those muscles so we can really focus on what's going well for us. But what we need to be aware of is that this is not an attention deficit. We do not have um, an attention deficit on, you know, first of all, he was like, I don't want to use the word ADHD. He, He was like, he kept referring to VAST, which is variable attention what's the S, something trait, um, stimulation. And he is very insistent that we move away from this terminology ADHD because he just says it's like misinformed and it reinforces negative me- uh, messages to us, but also to other people and reinforces the taboo and the stigma behind the condition. So almost in our heads, we've got to kind of like rewrite the script of this kind of like embarrassing thing, you know, that there's something that there's wrong with us, that we're all over the place. And actually, there's lots of reframing, huge amounts of reframing. And there is a formula for success. And this formula for success, he's seen it. He's seen people come to them in desperation. And when we reframe certain things and look at the way we we work in our lives, it actually, we can make all of this into a positive without ever taking away the challenges that we face and without ever invalidating what we're experiencing, whether it's to do with a mental health condition, whether it's to do with addiction, problems with our relationships. His formula for success is education. So making sure that we're aware, creating, you know, learning, learning about the condition, learning about where it's shown up in our lives, really kind of getting in control, empowering ourselves, coaching. He says the most, the biggest thing he's seen in in life with ADHD is when coaches come on board and they help, they direct, they guide, they advocate, They um, create some form of accountability. So it's almost like you can then go off on your own. He says you don't need to be coached for life, but to have that container for a while is really, really helpful. Medication. He um, is a huge advocate for medication if it works. And we did a whole day, literally a whole day on medication. It was fascinating. Uh, And again, I'm not going to focus on that today, but I probably will do something on that further down the line. But he said that once we get a medication that works and there's so many little variables to make it work, but he says that there will always be something. 
whether you decide to take it now, then stop and start again, none of that's important. But what the most important thing is that you understand that medication can be a huge help. And then lifestyle. So all the things that I sort of talk about when we harness lots of new ways, he was a huge advocate of movement, exercise movement. He said that's like one of the biggest things is that we channel this itchiness, this restlessness into movement. And again, we did like a half a day on um, stimulating part of the brain called the cerebellum. Again, this is just fascinating. He said this is the biggest breakthrough after medication in ADHD is stimulating the the cerebellum, which is all about um, using balance. So he said anything like skateboarding, surfing, which I kind of know is not like that accessible to many of us. But I guess if you've got kids, this is, you know, a good way of harnessing that. Ice skating, anything, you know, rollerblading. He said just walking, fast walking is a great way of, of encouraging um, balance, the cerebellum, yoga, pilates, just a way of, of kind of kickstarting that part in our brain, which reduces the ADHD symptoms which was, it was just fascinating. And we got an, a, an expert that has got a whole program, which is called, I'm going to give it to you because um, I'm going to try and get this guy in the podcast. It was called Zing. I think it's Zing Performance. Yeah. Zingperformance.com. And they, yeah, trampolining is another one. And he said that anything to do, I mean, it's, this is quite an expensive program, but apparently if you go through this program, they see like a dramatic decrease in quite strong traits of ADHD. But he said, if you don't want to spend all that money, which it is a lot of money, um, and you feel like you're probably not going to adhere to it all, he said, just, you know, Google exercises are going to be really good for increasing balance. So since I've been doing that from a very small, you know, incremental way, I've just been brushing my teeth on one foot. You know, how long can I brush my teeth for on one foot and then switching over, putting my makeup on with on one leg? Little things like that. So that formula for success, I'll, I'll repeat it again. Education, awareness, coaching, medication and lifestyle. We can kind of bring little elements of that in in different ways incrementally into our life. So you don't have to get a coach. You don't have to get a one-to-one coach. Just even listening to different podcasts, reading books, that type of thing. And you, a massive part of what he was talking about was this feeling of failure and never worrying alone. So what he said was a massive part of ADHD is that we internalize a lot. Everything is internal and we ruminate, we overthink. And then I'm going to explain things from a neuroscience perspective in a minute. But if we can externalize, learn to externalize more. So that is finding the right group of people. So we need to ensure that we are surrounded, connecting with people that lift us up, people that really have our backs, family members that we can really talk to and move away from the people that are going to be bringing us down that we close in on. So again, it's lots of self-awareness, recognizing the friends that make us feel not good enough, 
worthless friends that we don't feel that we can be our true and honest self with. We need to start curating an environment that is going to work for us. And that might not look like an environment that other people have. It's, it's being very discerning with our friends, family, social situations, work-life environment, how we choose our downtime, how we externalize our energy. It's just being a little bit more discerning about what works for us. So he said, you know, just connecting, ensuring that you are connecting with like-minded people. And just that alone, he said that when we start reaching out to people that we, we feel ourselves with, we can speak honestly and vulnerably and authentically, really lights up our brain. It really helps us. But he goes back to this never worrying alone, this positive human contact. So I know full well that if I'm having a bad day and I hope, you know, internalize it, internalize it, I am the worst version, ratty, irritable, um, shouty, moody, snapping. And then if I just turn around and say, you know, to my husband or just call one of my friends and just go, oh my God, I need to vent. I need to vent. This has happened. And then someone else kind of gives you that perspective. We get out of our heads, which is very prone to catastrophizing and and just kind of like going all down the, the rabbit holes. So we need to curate one person, two people who we know that we can have almost on speed dial, that we know they're not going to judge us and we can just externalize. So you know, this is a huge, huge conversation, but depression and anxiety very often, you know, are the bedfellows of ADHD. And some people that experience depression and anxiety within the ADHD sphere may not have the gene for depression and anxiety. Some people have, unfortunately, um, depression. They can see it genetically, maybe from an epigenetic perspective, it's there lying dormant. And then unfortunately something, you know, catastrophic happens, grief, you know, a marriage breakdown and, and it's triggered. But often with ADHD, we can feel depressed and anxious because we aren't fulfilling ourselves. You know, we are suppressing our true authentic self. And what he was saying is that depression and anxiety don't cause ADHD. It can be there, but it's because perhaps we're not being stimulated in the right way. We're not um, surrounding ourselves by the right people. We're not challenging ourselves. We aren't, um, we aren't expressing ourselves. We're not reaching our potential. You know, unfulfilled potential is probably one of the biggest um, variables that we see with ADHD. And we can feel depressed and we can feel low and we can feel anxious. It's like, what's wrong with me? Why have I got this itchiness? Why have I got this like restlessness that I know that I'm ready for more? I want to do more, but I don't know how to get there. And that's the executive functioning. That's like our roadblock, which is why ADHD is so complex. You know, even in the space of, you know, what time is it? 15 minutes. I've kind of given you a bit of a... A, a snapshot of why it can be so hard to diagnose and it can be so hard to get sorted because to do this on your own is hard work. It really is. And we have a brain that likes lots of paradoxes as well. 
And so we we want to be doing all these things, but then we need lots of rest. We want to be super creative, but we don't know how to, to quite get there. And so another one, he, what he did very well was he'd throw in very kind of life-affirming quotes, which, you know, he's a psychiatrist, he's got like all these accreditations, but the biggest takeaways I got from this week with him were very wise, almost philosophical, spiritual downloads that he'd present to us, which is why I think we are, we have such big thinkers, you know, and he we, we loved this. He, he loved reeling off all the Nobel Prize winners, all the great inventors, all the billionaires, entrepreneurs, innovators, inventors that have ADHD, because we are the big thinkers. We have this perspective on life that many of the people don't have. And we, we need to harness our brains, which is why we have this unfulfilled potential because there's lots of stuff going on in our brains. There's so much happening. And then because there's so much happening, we, we feel overwhelmed. We have this overwhelm that is just too much and we kind of just like stop and we can't, we can't kind of fulfill it. But what he said was, and bless him, you know, he's a 72 year old white man that's lived in, you know, um, a privileged life and works in, in New York. And obviously, you know, people pay to see him. So he does see his life through one lens. But what he said was marry the right per- person and find the right job, which bless him, you know, isn't that not as easy as it, I wish it was that easy, <laughs> you know, from a dysfunctional family, you know, myself with divorce and all sorts of things going on and people not quite making it out of our, uh, education. But what he's underpinning is whether it's marry the right person, he, what he's saying is connection is so important, you know, whether it's a partner or whether it's, you know, friendship groups or whether it's just surrounding yourself with people who understand you and can support you and lift you up. That's what he's saying. But, you know, he has married the right person. And what's amazing, he's married this woman that he met in, in med school who um, is now a marriage um, therapist. And she actually gave us a day um, of her time. And she talked about ADHD and relationships and, and all the interesting things that, that happened with that. Um, and they have a very um, loving relationship. But what I, what struck me with their relationship was that she, they were both working, both in their mid-70s. They both had sort of equal amount of energy, interest. They wanted to keep learning, like curiosity. So if we're with that person that has not got our interest, that doesn't want to do all the things that we want to do, you know, say we want to go on like a hiking holiday. We want to, um, you know, learn and we want to go to museums. I'm just you know, throwing something out there. We've got a partner that just wants to sit in a sun lounge and drink all day. You know, that is going to, that's going to have an impact. So we need to kind of have a little think about that. We have to think about um, where those challenges um, arise and then find the right job. And again, I wish this was as easy, but I talk about this a huge amount, you know, whether it's through creativity or it's through um, recognizing where our passions lie, is that, if we are going against, we're resisting our brain on a daily basis, constantly resisting ourselves, that does lead to depression and anxiety. When we know we're meant for more, when we know that this is leading us to like tears, but you know, boring ourselves to tears because 
we thought we should be doing this job because we went to university or we were, you know, it was the first thing that we did and, and we don't know any different. But that's when things start changing. And I see this a lot with ADHD diagnoses that it's almost like it is a light bulb moment. It's an epiphany of no wonder I find this job boring because this is my brain doesn't work like that. No wonder I can't focus on this task because that's not how my brain works. And so he says when he has clients that are coming in and and he asks them about their relationship and he asks them about their job and they're both going against the, the tide of who they are, you know, think about that analogy of swimming upstream or like rowing upstream and like how tiring and exhausting life is when we aren't doing our soul's purpose or we're not living to how we want to, to, to authentically live and we're pretending, we're masking. It's very, very hard work, exhausting and crippling mentally. So what that's what I love about him is that he's actually a religious man, but a very spiritual man of faith. And, you know, from, from, from a very scientific perspective, he recognizes that we have this, this kind of soul and we, we like soul led purpose as well. And this underpins everything that we do and we choose. Um, and what he also, he was great. He, he, he kind of like, we, there was lots of questions and it was lots of interaction and he could very intuitively know different people's personalities. And he just sort of said, you know, off the back, um, ADHD people are very youthful looking very useful at heart um he said uh, we have this stubbornness this tenacity uh, we are resilient you know we've got this this stubbornness does lead us to this resilience and we do keep picking ourselves up you know when especially when so many of us can relate to um hitting rock bottom um, and, and keep getting up again you know starting new careers keep going we, we we've got kids with challenges we may have had several relationship breakdowns but we have this drive in life to just keep going because maybe we value this this excitement of life we we recognize all the amazing things that we could potentially harness and it's to do with the dopamine we're always seeking dopamine so we keep picking ourselves up because we want to be challenged we curiosity for us is a life is a lifeline and again, he loved this reframe of ADHD people are impulsive and we, we don't think about things. But actually, he says, that's why so many of us have amazing imaginations and why we're so creative. Uh, and if we can reframe how we look at ourselves, that's when we start harnessing the strengths. But what I wanted to talk about is... Um, you know what, just before we go into that is another one of his takeaways was, uh, I'm going to give you two. He said, the force of connection is magical. So he says, make sure you're collaborating with the right people. Sometimes if we're working in business or we're on our own or we're working and we need to collaborate with other people because they kickstart the juices. You know, we like to bounce ideas off. So again, if you think about sort of like from a career perspective, I know I need to work with other people, which is why I love the podcast so much. I know I love working with clients and doing workshops because that is, it kind of fills me up. 
But I also know that on the flip side, I need to have like, I need to be my own boss. I don't want to be told what to do. I like to pick and choose. My energy is really important. Um, you know, I don't want to feel cl- contained. I don't want to feel pressured. Um, and again, you know, this is not easy in this world where the corporate life is, is not like that. And we have to carve out ways to make our life work for us so we are fulfilling our potential. And he said, don't hold back on life because of fear. And we have to work through this fear because we will never reach our ability. We'll never reach that fulfillment. We'll never reach that potential because there always is that very loud voice, which is what now I'm going to talk about, holding us back and telling us that we're not good enough. We're not qualified enough. We're not experienced enough. We're not good enough. We're not neat enough. We present differently. So, you know, whatever we do, we never think it's the right way of doing things. You know, the self-doubt kicks in, you know, the imposter syndrome, the perfectionism kicks in. And we could live a life very sheltered if we wanted to. We we have that um, tendency to go inwards and go, well, I'm not going to do that because we're going to get judged. You know, the RSD kicks in and we're going to get judged and, uh, you know, people, what can people think? And, you know, I present life in this way, but then actually, you know, um, I'm craving to do this. And, you know, whether that's just a, a post on social media, whether that's just, you know, harnessing our creativity and, and, and putting something out there, we have to use this muscle. And the more we use this muscle, the more we do it, the more it feels okay. And, and, and you know, two years ago for me to do a workshop, I would be crippled with anxiety and worry and fear and what, you know, and now I kind of go, well, whoever wants to listen, whoever's here wants to come and listen to me and whoever's not right for me won't come. And if this is the right way for me to present to people and this is how they want to learn, then that's brilliant. But this, I'm not going to put myself in a box because out of fear that I might sort of alienate people. And so this is what we have to keep coming back to is, is like working in a way that feels right to us, you know, living a life that feels right to us and not leaning into that, um, that very um, persuasive pull. It's a very coercive pull to, to be in that place of fear and that fit and that place of imposter syndrome and perfectionism. So we have to harness things like, um, understanding that right amount of difficult, that right amount of challenge that is going to give us that dopamine buzz, that's kind of going to give us the motivation to keep going um, and that motivation to keep learning. But if we bring, if we kind of come on and we expect, say, to learn something in three weeks that normally you know takes someone three months to learn, we're setting ourselves up for, for failure, you know, but if we kind of just keep pushing ourselves each day and keep going, this way is enough and, and, and keep trying and keep going with this knowledge that we're, we're learning and it's okay to learn in this way. And, and it's okay to keep trying and potentially failing. But if we don't keep pushing through that fear, then we will just live a very closed life, which is not what it's, we're conditioned to do. We're conditioned to, 
try new things and excel at new things and then put those in a box and then start again and learn new things, which is why we love hobbies and which is why we have drawers of lots of things that we've done. And then we've kind of like got to that point where we've done what we've needed to do and then we we move on. So what I'm going to skip forward to is something that he spent quite a lot of time on. And he spent a lot of time on something called the DMN. And this is all about neuroscience. Now, I'm going to give this to you. And I apologize to anyone here that has a science background, a medical background or a neuroscience background. I'm going to give this to you in the way that I understood it. And um, I'm quite good at like breaking things down to a very um, kind of baseline level. And he was very good at that as well. Brilliant at it because he recognized that there was people there that haven't got, you know, a psychiatry background. And the DMN is the default mode network. And we have something called the TPN, which is the task positive network. And we have something which is kind of like, it's like if you think about a seesaw, so we've got the TPN there, task positive network, and we've got the DMN there. And they are the opposite ends of the spectrum. Now, for neurotypical people, it's kind of like balanced. It's just like a little bit up, a little bit down. But on the whole, it's sort of like that. But with people with ADHD, our TP, our, sorry, our DMN, default mode network, likes to rule the roost. It likes to have its say. Now, the DMN is what, in a, from a positive perspective, is the one that kind of like motivates us it's our imagination it gets us like big picture thinking it's how we innovate how we invent things it's it's how we come up with amazing ideas but on the flip side and he made me remember this because dmn is like demon he said it can be our demon side of the brain and with adhd the dmn is it's just more profound it's a stronger um muscle and it, it's the trigger point is off for us. So the TPN is where we kind of like can focus. And sometimes we can go into that TPN, which is where we hyper-focus, we can concentrate. But what happens is we can very easily and quickly slip into the DMN mode. So I'm using this sort of seesaw analogy. And um, it can become our worst enemy. So if we think about the DMN, it's our imagination and we have fantastic imaginations many of us are creators many of us are writers and if you think about you know musicians and and they have have this flip side and unfortunately if you if you think about you know musicians who are writing incredible songs unfortunately they they have this sort of depressive mode as well and and do see a lot of um creators with adhd because that dmn is so um, dictating it can make us like absolute geniuses and so we have to always be aware of it but what he says is now that we're aware that we have this, this default mode network that is very powerful we don't want to feed this demon and we have to use it for our advantage now if you think about, um, I'm just not, I've just highlighted a few things here. So just bear with me. Sorry. So the DMN allows for expansive, imaginative, and creative thinking. 
I'm not going to go into all the, the neuroscience of, of the actual part of the brain that it's in, but it's the mode that you can daydream and you make interesting connections between concepts. And he says it was surely in the DMN that the wheel was invented. And the DMN and the TPN are the yin and yang of our brain, which I just think is a really powerful way of understanding it. But he says, as, a, as helpful as the DMN can be, it is also the demon for ADHD because of the capacity of our intractable rumination while held captive in it. So what I'm saying is that is why we are very prone to self-criticism. We're prone to rumination. We're prone to overthinking. We're prone to catastrophization. And we have this glitchy switch. Now, this is big news in neuroscience. This is big news in just understanding the ADHD brain. Because not only we, we always knew that we were prone to negative spiraling, we're prone to RSD. You know, this is a big part of why we are very quick to flip into that kind of like, oh, they didn't want me. You know, the feedback was terrible. I'm really bad at what I do. You know, we can have like a million degrees and still think we, we know nothing. And it can lead to, you know, negative, gloomy, and self critical thoughts. And, and we have to be aware. Now, unfortunately, we, there's not much we can do about this glitchy switch that we've got. But what we can do is we can be um, we can be aware, and we've got this sort of internal self system that can, we can rein it in back towards the the TPN, kind of like bring a bit more of an equilibrium, which is. I talk a huge amount of like not needing to be like high all the time and happy and, you know, positive and all of this. Like we don't need to be like that. But what I seek in my life is um, an equilibrium of neutrality of like being okay. That was all right. That wasn't great. You know, but not flipping from this extreme way of thinking where it can be exhausting and debilitating to live in that in that way. And so we don't want to be sort of off kilter and out of sync. So the reason why we have lots of issues with our mental health is um, very much with regards to the DMN. And now I, I do hope you excuse me because this is, I'm like bringing a huge subject into quite sort of like a very sort of broad subject. But this is why I wanted to talk about EFT. Tapping gets into that side of our brain. Now, this is for me was massive. Because I didn't know why EFT, I understand that the neuroscience of EFT from that perspective, but I never understood why I found it so helpful for ADHD. And now I am, now I understand because there is, it, it's ta literally tapping into the, that part of our brain where we can shift our, our thinking and we can acknowledge the negative side of our, our thinking. We're acknowledging the DMN. We're seeing what it's wanting to show us. And then we are moving through it so we can get back into that equilibrium of the TPN and the DMN not being so um, extreme. So he just said, we have this glitchy switch. And the glitchy switch, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of like going into my notes here, is, is learning about how we can outsmart our negative thoughts and learning how we can pay more attention to the positive. And so when we have this issue, we can 
forget what's going what's going well in our life and that's when he said something like gratitude and journaling and, and acknowledging the good is really really powerful so you know this is why very often we we hold on to things and he said you know as we know with so much how hard it can be to move past things if we're holding on to resentment we're not able to let things go in life. Think bad things happen and we ruminate and we go over them and we go, well, only if, what if this? And again, even if we just get an ADHD diagnosis later on in life, to move past that, to acknowledge it and then move out of that DMN mode and go into forward thinking mode, which is why coaching is so, is so good. It's recognizing um, what positive attributes, what strengths we've got and moving onto that. And that's why, you know, forgiveness, letting go is, is so important. Again, it's going back to that, what is reality and what is reality? What is the DMN? What's our imagination conjuring up and almost taking a step out of it. And, and this is why connecting with the right people. So having that one person, again, I'll go back to my husband. He is very good at showing me what's real and what isn't. So if I go into catastrophization mode and anxiety mode, he'll say, well, really, what, where is, you know, what, is that really going to happen? Like, what's, what's telling you? Like, why are you thinking that? And the chances are that's not going to happen. He brings me back into that part of my brain that, um, helps me just kind of see life for what it is and not my imagination, which is brilliant. I can do all sorts of things in my imagination, but it takes me down you know, very dark places. And so we have to use our imagination as a greatest asset, but also recognize it is, it is our worst enemy with ADHD. And I don't want it to sound really negative and really kind of like, oh my God, this is life. But I think it's really important for you to have that acknowledgement and that awareness. And it's how we move through it because we have an ADHD reality that we could live in. That isn't true. That's not how, you know, and again, that goes back to like, we can live our life in fear and we can keep ourselves in this box and we can just like live our life in, in isolation or we start understanding our brains a little bit more and understanding that we perhaps can't change intrinsically what's going on, but we can change how we want to show up, how we want to behave, how we want to interact, how we want to connect, how we want to work, how we want to create. And we do have these choices and it's a very empowering way of, of being. Okay. What I want to be able to show you is how we can use EFT. I'm going to give you an example of DMN, of, a, of how we, our imagination kind of like goes you know, off into, um, into a spiral. And it can be really, really sort of like trivial. You know, we're going on holiday and we're worried about the airport, worried about flights, worried about delays and losing our luggage. And all of a sudden we're up in the middle of the night and we're you know, lost a night's sleep and we don't want to go on holiday and we're anxious and the, everything is ruined. And, and I'm just kind of giving this example because, um, you know, I don't want to go and have to go too sort of dark on, on an example, but I want to kind of use this 
And what we do in this situation, because say we are really looking deep down, we're looking forward to a break, deep down, we're looking to a family holiday, deep down, we're looking forward to going off on our own on an adventure and, and whatever way you want to, you know, look at it. But all these little things that are, are, are coming up, it's giving us like serious anxiety. So we just go into the tapping and we just take some breaths. And I, I'm going to do this. Feel free to join along if you do feel like there's something going on for you right now. And I'm just going to just take a deep breath. I'm just going to just take that deep breath. And all of a sudden, just that one breath is already lowering that cortisol and it's just bringing that stress level down. And I'm just going to use this as an example. And I just want, you know, I'm really worried. I'm really anxious really anxious that this is what's going to happen and then we just let out what all the the dmn that demon side of our imagination that is wanting to tell us about all the what if scenarios we're going to be delayed we're going to lose our luggage i'm not going to get a taxi we are going to be stuck in queues i'm going to get covid like whatever is coming up for you but use this for anything that's going on in your life right now Bring out those what ifs. And then we just kind of go, just go, um, this is what I'm worrying about. All these anxious thoughts. I'm worried about this. And just say whatever it is that you're worried about. Really put it all on the table. And you just get really anxious and I can feel it in my body right now. And I just want you to acknowledge where it is in your body right now. This is what I can feel right now. I'm going to say it's in my shoulders, all this tension in my shoulders. And I know what I'm worrying about. All this tension in my shoulders. And it feels like, I just use it as a, uh, an analogy. What does it feel like? It feels like I'm being weighed down. It feels like I'm being crushed. Whatever it is that it feels like, just acknowledge what's going on in your body. And just use this, just whatever is happening, all these anxious thoughts. And now I don't even want to go on holiday. Now I don't even want to go there. Now I don't even want to do the thing. I'd rather just stay at home. It's just easy to stay at home because what's the point? It's all going to go wrong anyway. And we're just letting this part of our brain have its say. Just let it have its say. And I'm going to kind of rush through this a little bit just because I want you to be able to see. It could be two or three rounds. It could be 10 rounds of just letting it have its say. All things that might come up, things that you might not even acknowledge. Just keep going back to where it is in your body. Is it moving? Is it lessened? Until you've run out of things of worries, of anxiety, of what you're ruminating on. And then I just want you to go back to your hand. You just go, even though I'm having all these worries, maybe I can, maybe I can do this anyway. Even though I'm having all these worries and I don't even want to go, maybe after this tapping, I'm going to feel better. Or maybe after I've released it, it will pass. Maybe I can cope. 
Maybe I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Maybe I can let go of what I can't control. That's a really big one. We like to control everything. Maybe I'm more resilient than I think I am. Maybe I'll just... Um, maybe I'll just tackle this one step at a time. Maybe I really can, I can cope with whatever glitches come up and it will be fine. And you can just say, as I tap, I can feel the anxiety release. And this is where we start to kind of like start feeling a bit calmer. And the TPM, which is the sort of the the better side of the, the, the brain starts kind of equaling out. So if we think of, again, let's go back to the seesaw analogy. It's starting to feel a little bit, you know, more equal. And then neutrality kicks in. That's what we want. And you just go, actually, going to the airport right now doesn't feel that bad. And if there's a delay, I'll cope with it. Whereas, you know, 10 minutes ago, catastrophizing how we're going to cope the kids are going to drive me mad we're going to be stuck in a queue it's like maybe I can just trust that everything will be fine maybe all of my fears won't be will be unfounded and this is why EFT is so powerful this is why tapping because we're not dismissing anything I'm just going to just keep tapping we're not dismissing you can just go, I acknowledge what's going on in my brain. I acknowledge that I have all these worries. I acknowledge that I have all these fears and I have this anxiety. And this is just the way my brain works. And I accept that. I accept that this is the way my brain works. But maybe I can learn how to release these worries. Maybe I can learn how to cope. Maybe I can do this. And it's okay to have worries and release them. Okay, so then typically what we do is, again, I'm sort of condensing this, is just let's start, take a nice deep breath in and let it out. And so to be able to recognise that there is a neurobiology, there's a neurological explanation to why we're prone, why we're prone to this negative spiralling, why we're prone to criticism, fear of rejection, why we're prone, again, you know, addiction, I'm not going to go into addiction right now, but we we have a, a brain that is very, um, it's, it, it's prone to wanting to go into like big thinking and we can utilize it for the good and for the bad. And what I'd like to finish with is just keep going back to your strengths keep going back and recognizing how you can reframe things that you have potentially always kind of told yourself that that you're not good at or that that you struggle with and the big thing is always finding that right difficult because we want to keep learning we want to be motivated we want to be challenged and if you are bored to tears in life this is when you need to start thinking, okay, where, where can I challenge myself more? Where can I play more? Where can I increase my imagination? But the big but with all of this is we like structure. 
So ensure that you're keeping in mind all of this within a structure that works for you. Whether it's a time, the timing of the way you work, how you manage your own energy, if you need time on your own. If you need to eat at certain times, you need to have your kids' activities at a certain time, whether you need to wake up at a certain time. Structure is really important for us to be able to create and curate a life that gives us this equilibrium of how we are we're living so we don't have too many ups and downs and we are living a life with mission and and focus so I'm I'm not going to go it too much more because I'm actually there's a lot more that I'd like to do so I'm going to do another workshop based on all of this but I hope that's just given you a bit of a snapshot of how we can harness our brain so we can live with a bit more inner peace So I really hope you enjoyed listening back to this workshop. I know I loved learning with Dr. Ned Halliwell and you can see how much wisdom um, he has and how much he's got to impart on the ADHD community. Now, I wanted to let you know that today's podcast is the last one in a few weeks. I'm having a bit of a break. I've intentionally decided that I'm going to make my January a little bit slower, especially after all the work I've been doing on burnout prevention. So I will be um, having about three or four weeks off. I will let you know online when I'm going to be back on so just keep an ear out but if you are interested in learning more and if um, your ADHD journey is just beginning please do join me in the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective um, this is a membership a really affordable membership where there is lots of resources I do uh, bi-monthly workshops live workshops bringing in fantastic guest speakers that you don't hear from on the podcast I share lots of um, different resources articles I um, do a monthly meetup as well so this is all about the connection and like-mindedness especially after what we've just been talking about on today's podcast so if you are interested in joining the collective head over to the show notes or go to my website and you'll see all the information there and if you join at the beginning of January you will get the founder's price because the price will be going up for new members in the middle of January. So I do urge you, if you fancy giving it a go, there's a huge back catalogue of different workshops that you can work through and you'll be able to get January's content as well. I really do hope to see you there and please do follow the podcast, tick that box. So when I do come back after the break, you will get it straight into your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Take care and speak to you soon.